Hi, James here, and if you haven't checked out the, um, the movie for today's episode, I would suggest you hit that pause button, go check it out, and then come right back, because this is your spoiler announcement. Now, here we Hello and welcome to Film Nerds. My name is Alex Scott. And I'm James Harris. And today we're going to be discussing Sorry to Bother You. Now, we uh, we saw this movie, when was it? Uh, what is it? Uh, it was Saturday. Saturday. That's Saturday, it. yes. Um, now, before we begin, spoiler alert, this film is still in the theaters. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, then definitely go see it and then come back and listen to the review. Uh, this is a pretty in-depth movie review. No stone is left unturned. The show is the equivalent of watching the film and then talking about it with your friends afterwards at your local eatery. So definitely watch the movie first before you watch. So you've been warned uh, <laughs> before we begin. All right, so the film is Sorry to Bother You. It was directed by Boots Riley. It was written by Boots Riley. Came out on July 6, 2018, with a wide release on July 27th. And the synopsis for it is, in an alternative present-day version of Oakland, telemarketer Cassius Green discovers a magical key to professional success, pro propelling him into a universe of greed. Mm. All right, so now that we've got all the facts out of the way, let's talk about Sorry to Bother You. Was this something that you were really interested in seeing, or was it something that you just went to see because of all the hype, or what? Well, honestly, um, uh, before I mean, I would go see it, like, I really didn't hear any hype about it. You know, I probably saw... Uh, a few previews on YouTube. Um, I, just, I don't think I saw anything on TV. Well, I don't watch TV that often to begin with. Right. But um, I myself didn't didn't hear too much about it. But um, what I uh, had seen, um, I thought it was uh, it looked compelling. Then being since it's uh, being made by a African American, you know, such as ourselves, you know, I thought that was you know it'd be interesting to check it out you know you right know, we got to support one another you know and uh this was uh boots riley's uh first uh, film it was um i heard a lot about this film actually i heard a, a lot about it um i saw a lot of previews for it a lot of critical acclaim everyone was talking about it no one had seen it but everyone was talking about it uh and so i i felt like i should go see i'm i'm not see satire is always a little bit tricky for me because you know you're going to get a lot you it's going to make you think uh, mm -hmm. i'm still kind of burnt out from this is america i know i saw about at least 15 or 16 videos explaining to me what <laughs> this is america was about and i was like i don't know if i'm ready to go sit through another film that's going to have a whole bunch of symbolism mm -hmm. that i'm going to have to decipher uh so i i, I was like eh, I, I, but i was going to go see i said you know what i'm going to go see it it's got a lot of critical acclaim uh, I'll see anything Tessa Thompson's in, to be honest. Like anything. <laughs> yes. Uh, I really, yes. I really love her acting. All the way back from Veronica Mars when she had a small role on that. I think it was in the second and third season. Uh, but I've been following her since then. I, I just love the 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 her acting ability. So I'll, I'll pretty much watch anything that she's in. Plus, it had. Um, Is it really the acting or her looks? No, it's acting. It's definitely acting. Yeah. Uh, I'm not that guy. I don't. <laughs> I, I didn't watch Catwoman. Uh, I couldn't get through it. I don't care who's in it. You know, Holly Berry. I don't think anyone watched Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm, I'm not a person that just goes sees people because someone looks great. It definitely has to be something extra. And uh, it's always, you know, I always liked her, her acting ability is always kind of sultry. It's always kind of understated. I always love understated uh, things because that's the way that I kind of carry myself and my mannerisms. So definitely it's, it's her acting ability. And, uh, so yeah, so that was what drew drew me out. Plus, it has the guy from 
uh, Atlanta in it. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name right now, and I really should. I really should know it. Uh, if you're gonna do a movie review, you should at least know the main characters' names. Um, let's see if I can find it right quick. It skipped my mind too. So. Yeah, I know it's, it's that's so bad. It's so bad. It being since I left my notes at home, I mean, I wrote it down, but uh, we'll we, we'll make sure to edit at least some of this out where we're, <laughs> where we're looking around for days. Depending on how long it takes to find it, I think would it would be a good idea to edit out at least some of this. Yeah. I don't want to kill it with just dead air because now I'm just talking about nothing to try to make up for the fact that I don't know this guy's name. Uh, sorry to bother you. Let's see if I can find it. Lakeith Stansfield. Yes, Lakeith Stanfield is the actor in this. He played in Atlanta. Played pretty much a very similar character here in in this to his Atlanta character. So mm-hmm. it really, you know, I hope it's not an issue I of being typed in. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah you I need know. to get on that. I mean, it's a really good show, really good show. But we're talking about Sorry to Bother You. So I think that gets everything out of the way. We know why why I went. We all know why I went. It's pretty <laughs> simple. And again, you know, also to support. So what did you what did you think? Um, I honestly like this movie. Okay. Know, um, especially going in, not knowing what it was be about, you know. Uh, I've been in with an open mind, which I always try to, you know. And I really enjoyed it, you know. Like that opening scene, really, I really, I really loved the opening scene. Uh, how he's in this job interview, and he had this this big trophy, this uh, employee, uh, employee of the um, month uh, month award, and you know, he really selling himself, you know. And the whole time you thinking, oh, this guy is a overachiever, you know, he's he could be this good employee, and kind of find out. He's just a typical <laughs> um, black guy in America, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and in the a boss like put, put, put um this uh, poke holes in his whole delivery, and you find out yeah, uh, he never worked at that job, and um the so-called boss was actually his best friend who had already applied <laughs> to <Right>. that job, <laughs> and you know. Like from 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 that jump, like that that first scene really set the tone for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's interesting. Who does this much for a, a telemarketing job? I I don't know anyone who would. They would just show up and say, "I'm here to make calls," yeah, and then just do the job. Uh, but that that seemed um a little old world old world for me, uh, because I don't know anyone also who even picks up the phone for telemarketers anymore. No, no, I I haven't picked up a, a phone for a telemarketer ever. I screen every call. Yes, every <laughs> single one. <laughs> if I don't know the number, it's not getting picked up. They can leave a message, which they won't. Uh, now, that doesn't mean telemarketers do not call me, still yeah. get those, you know, but there, it's just blank air on my answer machine. I, I don't even bother with that. No. But tell us a little bit about the, the film, what it, what it was here. So he's a telemarketer. Uh, he actually gets the job to be a telemarketer, but he's not doing so well mm-hmm. in this job at first and then Danny Glover gives him some advice. So, um, the vice, the vice, um, the, the advice that he gives him is the fact, you know, Danny Glover being the old timer on the job, you know, gives him the advice to use your white voice, you know. So, the, and the white voice is supposed to be that voice that makes people feel comfortable, you know, that voice that tells, but it's supposed to tell, um, whoever is listening that oh i'm somebody you know so he starts using you know this white voice and 
all of a sudden, you know, he starts becoming this big time um, telemarketer. You know, he's making sales. You know, like he just, you know, he's blowing up. And did it? Did you find it odd at all that um, in the in the film, Danny Glover's character gives him this advice to use the white voice, but he's still sitting next yeah. to him? I thought that was a little bit odd. I was like, if he's got the the white voice down, why hasn't he progressed past this point now? Good question, Mike. And um, there's really is no answer in the movie, right? Uh, it's probably it's probably one of those things like like go to your like like you go to your own job, you know, you busting you like, you busting your butt, you know, you working you working like and you you like you know you have the job down packed, but yet for some reason you know. You don't get that promotion. You don't move forward. But yet this younger cat, you know, comes in. You like, and he pretty much doing what you do. But they like him better. You, you know, that's right. That's the only thing where I can probably. Well, you you don't see Danny Glover making any sales in the film either. You know, either. So I, I'm thinking that if he's using the white voice, that he should have just as much success as. Uh, what's the guy's name in this Cassius. film? Cassius, uh, Cassius has. Green. It's a, yeah, Cassius Green. I love his so, name too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm. That's you know, that was a little, that was a little bit uh, surprising to me. It felt like Danny Glover uh, would have moved up. Now, when I say move up in the film, if you do really well at selling, on the low end, you get to move up to become a power caller. And you, you literally move up. Yes. <laughs> you go to another floor, like exclusive. Like you have this golden elevator. Right. That has this ridiculous passcode that changes every day. <laughs> it was a, that was that was a great scene in the in the film. Uh, watching one of Cash's bosses lead him up to the floor, and mm-hmm. she's putting in the passcode, and it is so long. <laughs> uh, it it, it kind of reminded me of some of the uh, the Family Guy gags that seemed to go on forever, mm-hmm. and this one did the same thing. It just kept going on and on. Just when you thought it was going to end, and she just kept you know pushing more buttons. So I thought that was that was a pretty good scene. But that that did it just it just made me wonder. I was like, why isn't Danny Glover a power caller yeah. at this point? I felt like he should have been. I know why. Why? Because the plot didn't want him. To. <laughs> the plot didn't want him to. <laughs> he he was just there to to move it along. Yeah. Now that that's another thing. I don't know if I if I mentioned earlier or not. I probably should because it, we've only been on air for about ten minutes. But uh, <laughs> that's another thing that kind of felt a little bit old world to me. Was you know we have a person who's you know treating a telemarketing job as something you know serious. something very yeah, very serious in that it's something that's still a viable form uh i mean i know it's still here but it's i don't it's nowhere near as big as it was 20 years ago but yeah. also using a white voice uh seems something that you know would have been bigger 10 or 15 years ago uh this is set in present day alternative present day but yeah. still present day uh because that would have been something I, I feel like. I mean, now I think a lot of African Americans are finding their own voice. You know, we we see a big push for natural hair and and being who we are and not being someone else and finding our way uh, in in this world in this in this country. So that also felt like a little bit of old world. Something that maybe would have been better for something that maybe my parents would have faced uh, growing up, or at least my mom or my dad faced. Uh, <laughs> yes. That, is that classic black? Oh, no dad? No dad. <laughs> no dad. That's classic black, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's classic black. That's classic black. That's classic black. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I don't mean to to uh, to call out any other races. I'm sure they have dad 
issues as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, yeah, that that was another thing that sounded like that was a little bit kind of old war, old world uh, for me that would have been better set in like maybe the 1980s. True. Because like, uh, like the only thing that comes to my, to my mind is why they did that is probably to bring out the whole, oh, in, in old way to make it in the United States, you have to be white. You know, that's only, that's the only thing that come to my mind, you know, why they probably, probably did that. But even what? still, that, that whole thing can still work if they said it 15, 10 years, you know, back. Right. And I think it would have been, it would, it would have been more apropos because I believe that 15, 20 years ago, you know, being, being white, well, I mean, not saying that being white now was not, not an advantage, but I think it was definitely a much bigger advantage mm-hmm. back then. I remember my mom talking about how she applied for a job and the person was, you know, all hyped to see her on, on, you know, after they were listening to her on the phone. And again, this was maybe back in the maybe seventies, probably seventies, early seventies. Yeah. Very long. And so when she showed up, she said the, the, the guy just got this look on his, on his face. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you're black. yeah. And she was like, she knew right then that, you know, he wasn't going to hire her and he didn't. And that's why I feel like that we would have been a much more powerful message set back then, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the eighties or whatnot. But it was, you know, I, again, I did enjoy this film. Uh, so, stop it right quick. Now, one thing I really liked about this early scene with him doing his telemarketing job uh, is the director's choice of dropping him into the homes of the peoples uh, that he's calling. Yes. I thought that was brilliant. Like, at first, I, I was thrown off about it. Like, like, Right. It's uh, so you know people are you know one lady is like sitting around you know uh, eating dinner. I think there was one scene and he he drops in he drops in on people having sex. Uh, <laughs> there's there's uh, just scenes of him just dropping in mm-hmm. directly into where they are. Of course, them not paying any attention to him uh, at yeah. all. Uh, so I thought that was good. But another thing I, I think about the white voice, and they did mention this in the film, and I, you know, I want to give the director credit, is it's just that thing that you don't need it, that you've already achieved. It's that, and then this has helped me in sales before too, which is if people think you're desperate trying to sell them something, they're less likely to purchase. But if they feel like you could just take it or leave it, like, I don't care, you know, I, it's fine. You either get it, you don't. You know what I'm saying? That's your problem. You know, that type of thing. I've got what I need already. It does pe- put people at ease. Like, well, wait a minute, what is he selling? Yeah. You know, and so that is a really good selling technique. And they did mention and mention that in this film. So I did want to give them credit for that and say that it wasn't just the white voice. There was an extra layer there, which is definitely what you get when you're dealing with satire. All right, so Cassius Green. Also has a girlfriend who is a sign twirler by day and an artist by night. An artist by night, yes. <laughs> uh, so this this character's name Detroit is played by Tessa Thompson. And what did you think about her performance? Um, um, like you said earlier, like I love I love the performance. Um, it, it it felt uh, I I don't, I don't want like if like not over the top like like. Like she plays a free spirited, you know, character and like I felt like, you know, that she's someone that I guess you could relate to if you was that type of person. Right. <laughs> I actually know a couple of Detroits. Mm. Um I off the top of my head I I hope I don't think I know anybody who's <laughs> just like her. Um, but you know, like she like 
I think she brought the the emotional uh, energy into the project because you know Cash is you know he was more so uh, wrapped up in tr- trying to divide you know trying to make it you know trying to trying to be somebody you know his, his whole thing was I want to be somebody you know I want to make a difference you know and she just brought another level kind of like his opposite so to say you know she didn't care about the money you know uh like i like i felt like tessa really what's that word i'm looking for probably edit some of this out (laughs) uh i felt like tessa uh i felt like she you know I, I, I felt she she did good in the role you know it wasn't over the top you know uh it wasn't flat i felt like you know she really i felt like she stood out you know I, I, everybody i felt like she stood out the most i i agree with that i definitely felt like she stood out the most i one of one of the things i love about her performance here is she was able to take the the energy of uh stansfield uh cassius greens um was is the character's name she was able to to match it and then she was able to use that to springboard and that's very hard because he plays a very low energy character if you've ever seen him in um atlanta he's the exact same way Mm -hmm. it's really hard when you're playing opposite a person like that to match their energy because any type of energy you bring can seem over the top because yeah. he's so low key and she was somehow able to to match it and then bring that vibrance internally. And I thought that was I thought that was really good. Yeah. Uh, and I know that they're they're not every actor can't do that. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of that where I've, I've watched two people get paired up and I'm like, eh, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. The dynamics don't really work because this person is kind of like, eh, and this other person's kind of, uh, you know, that type of thing where someone's low energy and the other person is just regular energy, but it looks over the top just yeah. because of that. But I thought she was able to, to use it. And that, that's normally what you get from, from, uh, Tessa Thompson. She's able to match that energy. She did it in Creed as well when she was playing, um, Opposite, oh, what's his name? Now I can't remember his name. I can't remember Michael anybody's name. There you go, Michael <laughs> B. Jordan. I, I thought she did. She did. She did that as well. She she plays understated, but also vibrant, um, a vibrant character as well. She does that really, really well, which is why I always, you know, if I see she, she, she if I see she's in something, I will go uh, to see it. Uh, and she, that you said, she's an artist at night. She has her like a little art gallery. Um, and you know it's she not uh, your, it's not your normal type of art gallery, oh not at all you know it's it's very free spirited and uh awoke you know <laughs> you're woke yes woke. <laughs> pretty much this whole film is pretty much targeted to you know that that state of mind you know exactly uh especially her character like i said i know a couple of of characters uh no real people actually <laughs> not not characters they're actually real people who act just like this and it's one of those things that you you can find very exhilarating to to meet people like this and then sometimes it's just so much it's like oh yeah. great in, in the in the film she's doing a lot of things she wears a lot of t-shirts with um uh very i don't want to say it's inflammatory because it's not inflammatory but just very uh, messages that people would uh, may take offense to uh and then she's wearing earrings uh, I think some of them said like murder, 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 kill, kill, kill. 
Uh, I can't remember like each and every single yeah, earring choice. Yeah, she wore a lot of different like earrings um, in this film. And I also kind of, uh, kind of love how they made a choice to whenever she did have a new pair of earrings that they brought attention to the earrings, you know, and they kind of would zoom in, you know, onto it. Like, like sometimes you use that as a transition, you know, into the next scene, you know, with her earrings. Right. And the, and the shirts and the shirts as well, uh, they drew attention to that. And so she actually starts working with uh, Cassius at the telemarketing job. And which is something you, in real life you should never do. You know, you should never you should never bring your significant other <laughs> to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen uh, I have seen some things, you know, <laughs> you should never, ever, ever, ever bring your, you know, significant other. But he did. He did. Yes. Um, and they decide that they're going to not just them two, but uh, another character played by Stephen Yoon. Uh, he's you might know him from The Walking Dead. Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. Glenn from The Walking Dead. He organizes uh, a little bit of a strike. And let's talk a little bit about his character. What did you think about him? Um, he plays the. Uh, he, he played this guy. And later on, you, you learn that uh, he doesn't stay in one place. You know, he kind of he goes to place to place, and he tends to organize unions. You know, uh, his whole spirit is, you know, oh, we the ones that um, we the ones who does the work. You know, we deserve more of the pie. You know, we deserve our fair share. You know, we can live off of. Uh, what you're giving us, right? You know, even though they never state how much they was making, but um, we can just assume it wasn't yeah. enough. Uh, as they said in several times, you know, you should be able to afford the basic yeah. necessities of life. You know, and that's something that I feel sure a lot of us can relate, but especially me, being since I work for uh, a job. You work for the man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I work for a job that is union that has a union. You know, right? And we actually just. Uh, came off of a union contract, you know, a new contract and whatnot. And so I can kind of, you know, relate, relate to what he, he uh, was talking about and uh, feeling, you know, how, you know, and one of the messages message is that it's more of us than it is them. You know, like if all of us, even in, 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 in reality, in our own jobs or even, you know, in the country, it's more of us than it is them. You know, if everybody was then together, and stay strong in the things that you believe in, eventually, you know, something I give, you know. Exactly. Which uh, he does, you know, organize the strike. And the workers take a strike uh, during um, peak calling hours. Yes. And once that happens, you know, the, of course the, the heads go crazy. And then Cassius gets called into the office, but it's not for the reason you think. Let him know why. So he gets caught in the office thinking that he's going to get fired. Right. But turns out they want to send him up. That's right. A power caller. A power caller. You know. I, and I will, one, one other thing, too. There is a, a really great montage of him putting on his white voice and selling uh, with his boss downstairs, they're doing this whole bunch of like high fives and it's like just different days and it's just going crazy. And uh, I thought that was a really <laughs> great scene, which lets you know that he's been doing very, very well yes. with using his white voice as he's, you know, continues to sell. But and still not making no money. 
uh, and silly. driving that beat down car, you know. Yes. Oh, speaking of his school going back, um, his first day, his his first his first day on the job, I love how you know he walks to the gas station and he tells the um the cashier forty, <laughs> and he hands him forty cents <laughs> and walks off as if he actually you know doing something. <laughs> I, like that scene, <laughs> I would I would love that scene. I don't know what where forty six <laughs> is going to get you. That's not going to even get you uh, out of the parking lot. Nah. So I don't know what that what it was. But yes, it was an excellent scene. Uh, so he goes he goes upstairs and upstairs there is a rule, white voice white only. only. Uh, and here he meets his his new boss, which oh, is um, his name? it's o- Omari yes. Hardwick. I think he's, he's Ghost. If yes. you if you've seen Power, he's Ghost on uh, on Power. Uh, so. He meets him up there. He, you know, so he starts using his white voice. Now they find out upstairs that they are selling uh, guns to like other countries, mm-hmm. and they also selling the services of worry free. Now worry free was introduced, I think, through a commercial uh-huh. uh, at first, which is basically you sign a lifetime working contract in exchange for room and board. So, you know, the I'm I'm going to guess here that it's supposed to be modern day slavery. Yeah. Because, um, like, um, as long as you are working, oops, like, as long as you're working, you have a place to live, you know, food to eat. You know, you, you don't have to worry about your everyday necessities, you know, which goes back to the union, you know. Like, you don't have to worry about, you know, making more money because, you know, you have it already. You know, you have everything you need. And that's one of the things that Cassius learns once he uh, gets upstairs. Yeah. Worry, worry free. I, I, there was a really great scene. And this is another there's another thing that made me think um, 20 years ago this would be great set because there's a, a scene in there where they do worry free cribs in the style of MTV cribs. I thought that was yes. a really funny. And they're, they're talking about, yeah, look at me. This is where we eat our meals. And this is where we all like hang out and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Which I don't know if the kids today remember mtv chris i did I a so. yeah i it was maybe a couple years ago i was on i was on snapchat back when i i used to use social media and i did like a little joke for my friend and i was like oh this is my stuff look at this water bottle i've got five water <laughs> bottles you know i'm crazy and, and she looks at me and she goes uh she snaps back she's like what what do you like she's what like i don't get it she's like you know and i'm like you know from mtv cribs and she's like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about you know and uh, i mean even though we were close to the same age like that the thing is i think that's a reference that a lot of people may not pick up on or may yeah. not get especially you know once you're you know over 25 uh so that's why another reason i thought but it was it was still an excellent scene to talk to talk about now that was the thing that that killed me though for do you need telemarketing services to sell guns and cheap labor those sell themselves oh yeah i like uh that was one of the things that kind of puzzled me. I'm like, okay, um, real choice to sell. I mean, I, I mean, I understand, you know, but you know, how how you get that contract, especially with the guns, you know, what kind of, you know, because uh, like, you, like you look at, you know, these other movies that deals with uh, the selling of guns, like they'll go to telemarketers to, <laughs> to sell the product, you know, like so that was um, a real choice. Uh, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I just assume. I mean, you know, when it, like I said, once again, when it comes to selling guns and selling cheap labor, 
they pretty much sell themselves. You just make the call. Yeah, you just make the call. There really isn't, there's no need to sell anyone these type of products. Hey, Bobby, um, I get, I get, um, 10, um, 10 big muscular dudes for you, you know, (laughs) and no homo. But, um, you want the guys or not? No, they they work for free. Oh, you want them? Cool. They'll be over there tonight. (laughs) Like, it's, it's not really that hard, you know. Right, but his but his lifestyle improves now that he's upstairs. He's got tons of money. He's able to move out of his uncle's his garage. uncle's garage, and uh, he's got his nice place. Him and of course he you know brings Detroit with him, and you know he's it's a new car, new car too for gas. That's right. No <laughs> more forty cents on, on the on pump, and, <laughs> and no more pushing the car. Cause that's true. It, it was a scene where um all them everybody goes out and they are literally pushing the car to the bar <laughs> like i'm pretty sure if you ha- if you had to push a car you can't you should be go- going out for drinks <laughs> you know <laughs> something got to give uh, yeah that car would have stopped running a long time ago oh yeah uh, there were there was uh, you know of course you know trying to set the scene there's tons of things that happen with this car it's smoking and it's you yeah. know it's not working Overheated. and things like that yeah that car was dead yeah. it would have been dead uh, a long, long time, time ago. ago yeah uh so after he gets to that that place, um, there starts to become a little bit of conflict because he's conflicted about uh, selling these services, but he also likes the money that comes with this. And then what other problems arise in his life? So um, pretty much he gets to this place where uh, Detroit, you know, who is, uh, well, I guess to go back a little bit, um, there's all these people called the left eye who are... Um, left eye activists. Yeah, um, pretty much are protesting um, for for free, you know, and it's revealed that she is part of that, you know. So it's not really stated if Cassius knows she's a part of that. Uh, I mean, he might have known, or he might. I don't think it was ever stated. That no, he, I don't remember hearing about that. Yeah. Um, so, um, but it gets to the point where uh, she gives him ultimatum. Like, because um, pretty much at the same time, they are doing the strikes at work. And, like, she gives them a choice. Either you stick with us and pretty much keep your soul or you go sell your soul. You know, that's pretty much what I, what I saw, you know. Either you sell your soul and you go and make this money selling slaves and guns or you keep true yourself. And you know you work hard and you find a way to survive, and um, which is weird. Which is weird to me because she was enjoying the benefits of that lifestyle that that he was getting. She was enjoying the the house always. and the car, <laughs> you, you know. But you're going to question, you know, my my morals and ethics. Uh, I I don't think you can do both. Now again, you know, I think it there comes to a point for all of us where we go, wait a minute, like this is too much. Now yeah. I've got to take a stand. Uh, so let me ask you this: What would you have done in that situation? Would you have quit the job and kept the girl, or would you, which I guess is kept keep the girl and keep your soul? But I, I don't really say keep your soul because you may feel differently about that. You may feel like you could keep your soul and still do that job. So would in in the sense of in that's in the sense of this film, would you have quit the job and kept the girl, or would you have got rid of the girl and kept the job? I honestly don't think I would took the job to begin with. You know, well, you didn't know what it was. You well, know, wouldn't have known at first uh, that they were selling uh, guns and, and slave labor. Well, um, he, um, he tells him the first day um, right. he started, 
like yeah, I, I don't I don't think I would I would accept the job, but if I had accepted the job, you know, cause like I like I already know there'd be selling guns and selling selling labor, that means I'm oh I'm that I'm cool with it, you know. At this stage, I'm like forget it, you know, like <laughs> I'm here. I might as well keep going, you know. I I think I I would get to a point where, and I mean, this makes me just as culpable in in it as <laughs> and complicit, if you will, uh, as everyone else. I probably would have done it for a period of time and gotten enough money that I could have made that money work for me. Mm-hmm. He obviously was getting quite a bit if he was able to afford like this new car in this place. Forget the new car in place. I wouldn't even buy. Well, I would got the car because that car was pitiful. Yeah. But I would have got maybe like a two thousand, three thousand dollar car, something low end. Um, Oh, he also he also paid off his uncle's house yes. as well. So that's that's another another thing to to think. But I would have taken all of that money and I would have then by the time she gave me the ultimatum, I would have been in a place I could quit the job and it would have made no difference. I've just been like, oh, okay, you want me to quit? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I was thinking about quitting anyway. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I, I think I would have definitely selling slave labor, which is it's weird because I feel like when you see a lot of charitable people, like you always see drug dealers handing out you know chickens and food to people in the neighborhood or whatnot but at the same time you're you're dealing poison to people yeah and i think that we you know a lot of times when it we deal with like charitable uh, charitable people and i don't mean mean to put them down or anyone who's doing charitable acts but there are other things that they are doing that could that that don't balance with the charitable lifestyle you know it's yeah. like one thing you're you're selling poison or another thing you're handing out chickens like you know so but a, a lot of the times, the way they make their money is through those means. So I, I feel like sometimes it's a balance for them, where it's like, yeah, I do these bad things, but then I do these good things, you know. So, uh, so but conscience is clear. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, as clear as you can, you can have it. <laughs> uh, so you know, as he goes on, he makes the decision that he's going to keep the job, mm-hmm. and uh, so now you see a little bit of relationship that started to kind of blossom between um, Squeeze, which is Stephen Yoon's character. And Detroit, which is weird to me. I felt like this didn't add anything to the film. Uh, I, felt, I, felt, um, I felt like out anything, if there had to be anything removed, I feel like this subplot could have been cut out. Right. You know, like uh, I could see, you know, being buddy buddy, but to go as far as to later on in the movie, they kind of make out. You know? Right. They it, do anything, everything but, but sex. Yeah. You know, like I felt like that. It didn't bring anything to the story. It, it wasn't needed. Like they, I, they could have left that part out. Yeah, I, I saw no point for this whatsoever. And they really just tried to establish it early on with some looks. And I was like, well, what's the point of this? Because it, it felt like it was leading to something like that. But at this point, she was, you know, really, um, in you know, she was, you know, with Cassius, and you know, there were there were no problems. Mm. So I was like, why are they even like establishing this as a thing? So I I, I could have done without this this little love triangle, which really wasn't a triangle because she she gets uh, with him. Like she said, he makes out with him and does everything, everything but um, sex. And then she says she's not going to do it again. Uh, she tells Cassius after she, you know, that she's not going to do that again. So it was just like, what's the point of this at all? Yeah. Like, uh, I guess they just needed, you know, needed something to showcase. Oh, she is a very beautiful, attractive woman. She can have anybody she wants. You know, that's the only thing I could see why they did that. You know? Right. It, unless they were going to establish it more, you know, throughout the film. 
then that would that would have been but it, it just seemed like a, a really um an element that was thrown at the wall and there were a couple of times in this film that i thought there were things that they were just thrown at the wall and just see if it sticks uh but at the same time cassius is at a party thrown by the ceo i think it was steve lift steve, i believe steve lift, yep. steve lift uh who's the ceo of worry free played by um army hammer yes very well. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know when somebody gets it like two spot on? Like there's sometimes when you know you're watch you're watching something and uh like somebody's trying playing a racist. You like you play a racist really well. Like this is really well. <laughs> I, I used, wonder. Yeah. You, you would have been a great plantation owner, I'll tell you that much. Like, you know, uh so <laughs> in this uh in this film, uh, he definitely he definitely did a, a really a really good job playing that character. Yeah. But uh talk a little bit about the party. So Cassius, uh, I, like this is actually my favorite part of the whole movie, <laughs> and we have talked about you know this um, two times already. But um, so Cassius gets invited because you know he is uh, Willie Free's new you know top seller. You know he's the man. You know so he gets to meet Steve Liff, and so he so he gets invited to the party, and um, it's just him and all these rich people. You know, and um. He's so un- un- uncomfortable, you know, because, like, he knows he shouldn't be there, you know, because he just left um, from Detroit's uh, art gallery, you know. Uh, it was her opening sh- uh, show, I believe, you know. He-, he stopped by there to support her, but she tells him, you know. Yeah, let's stop there for a second. So he's at this, you know, this scene is when he's at the opening of, of her art show. They've already broken up at this point. Uh-huh. And she's using a fake British voice. Yeah. I, uh, I went back and um, looked it up, and apparently it's it's another white voice. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's what I, I was, I was, um, I was, uh, I, I knew it was using, a you know, another, like, you know, fake white voice, but it was, it was it, this one was British, happened to be British. Mm-hmm. But what was the point of that? Like, so did she sell out there as well? Or, or what? I don't know. Like, I, I have no idea why she's using a white voice when she had been, you know, so adamant against selling out. And to me, using a white voice in this scenario was was more selling, was more selling out. The things yeah. that she accused Cassius of. Again, this could have been some triple layer satire that just went over my head. Yeah. Uh, that you know, even people who you know don't sell out, sell out. Which is, like I said, again, that's one issue I have a lot of times with satire is like sometimes you have to interpret too much. Mm-hmm. And all the time I'm always looking for what this could mean, what that could mean, what this could mean, instead of really focusing on the film. Because there's so much going on yeah. in this film. There's just so much stuff that they're it throwing is. at the wall. Uh, you know, in addition to the CEO of, you know, the worry-free commercials, there's other commercials uh, too that was uh, like, get the shit kicked out of me. Which is this... Uh. Yeah. program where people just get beat up and you know it's just you know i guess like a, a little bit of a satire about our culture and you know what we you know give uh things in our culture that you know aren't great but that we you know still you know, that we get drawn to yeah. i think like kind of like reality television i think mm-hmm. it's supposed to be portraying so there's a lot of just like stuff that's just like boom 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 boom, boom like satire satire here satire there you know focus on this focus on that type thing and so yeah. sometimes it was a little bit too much, too much for me, you know, uh, that they could have took out certain elements and still made a really great film that would have allowed my mind to kind of just rest and to understand what's happening as opposed to going, well, what is the hidden symbolism in this, yeah. you know, type thing. So it felt like, it felt like everything had a hidden, you know, meaning 
Right. And some it felt like some things had two or three hidden meanings. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that gives you six or seven different um, ideas in your head about what that could mean. Because there's, you know, yeah. there's always more than one that it could possibly mean. So, yeah, uh, man, um, like for that scene, I would probably have to go back and watch it again. Um, like if there was a hidden meaning. Uh, I, I missed that part. Yes, uh, uh, in, in the scene too, uh, she's showing off her art, and uh, she's also, you know, one point there's a performance art. She's going to recite lines from The Last Dragon, mm -hmm. I believe it is, and as she's getting um, hit with cell phones, uh, lamb's blood, and something else that I can't remember. That's a, that's. I tell you what, folks, if you ever do a movie review show, if you're doing <laughs> a movie uh, that's you know currently in theaters that you can't just go pop pop back in and watch for a second time you know make sure that you're ever vigilant uh in the theaters uh but yeah so she's getting pelted with those things and of course Cassius has a problem with that he, yeah. he stops it uh says you know what are you doing why you're degrading yourself like this and she said it's my art you don't like it it's time for you to go and that's when he heads over to the party but so back to the party it, uh, it, 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 um, in a way uh, i guess it was her way of showing him what he's doing you know like i'm degrading myself but so are you you know Right. Yeah, but I don't. I just don't understand why she was doing that because yeah. she had never sold out. She didn't even know he was coming yeah. uh, to this. So I don't. You know what I'm saying? So if she was doing it for him, then it was it was definitely some extraordinary performance art uh, for someone who wasn't even necessarily going to be there. Plakavians. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Plakavians. Um. But yeah. So he ends up at the party, and. And Steve Liff is, uh, you know, he's booming the crowd. You know, you know, everybody likes him because, you know, he, you know, he he's rich. You know, and so he goes to Cassius, like tell me a story. You know, like cause like he, he was, uh, he was telling a story how he shot, um, what was it? Um, um, was it a rhino? Um, right. It was some some type of animal. Yeah. Um, he, um, cause, like, uh, it was on, it was a head. You know, like stuffed head on. On his wall, and he was telling tell him how he shot it, how he killed it, and he goes to Cassius. Have you ever shot? Have you, I'm pretty sure you know you're from Oakland. Hey, um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you you, um, you probably shot somebody. Um, but I think the way he used um, was uh, bust a cap, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, street slang vernacular, yeah, as they, you, you know. know. So Cassius, who thought the whole movie, he's he never been that type of black guy, right? You know. Yes, he's from Oakland, but he's never been that guy, you know. So uh, he tells him, "Nah, I, you know, I, I never, you know, I don't have any type of stories like that, you know." So he tells them, "Well, rap for us, you know." He said, "I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can rap." You yeah, know. you know, this is gotta be the one, one of the two most racist things you could say to right. that guy, you know. Yes, I shot somebody, and two, I rap. You know? <laughs> And he tells Sometimes them, I shoot people as I rap, you know. <laughs> Got that both that things going on, <laughs> you know. So uh, he he tries to tell them, no, nah, I can't rap, what not. So uh, they end up getting him on stage, and he, he 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 tries he tries to rap to the crowd, right? And in like some type of uh, once again like some type of eighties rap. He's like, you know, my name is Cassius, and I'm here to, you know, what I'm saying like that was a weird way for him to start. Yeah, I mean, have you? Listen to any rap in the last twenty years, you know. Shoot, the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't go ahead, yeah, go back, go back ten years, right? Years, right? Last five, ten years, you know. So yeah, it goes awful, you know, and no one's liking it. So, uh, 
Okay, so so the crowd is not feeling his rap, you know, his old school rap. So uh so he so he goes, you know, try to you know understanding where he is, you know, it's like it's a party for white people, you know. So he so he goes, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, you know, and everybody just they love it. Loves it. They know? love it. And like everybody starts repeating after him, even the white people. Uh, well, <laughs> it's all white people, basically. So, yeah. So, you know, you just start checking, like, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit. And, and like, like as as he's rapping, uh, you can tell that, like, he's losing, like, like he's dying inside, you know. Because, like, uh, there's a scene as, though, as he walks away, uh, he, he, um, some, some, of the, some of the people are watching this TV. And it's a um, report on what happened other in the um, in the movie where he's trying to get to work, and the protesters hit him with a can. Right, one of the protesters hits him with a with a with a can uh, as he's crossing the the picket line as a scab, mm-hmm. and he has and he wears this this head wrap from this injury. Right, for, the movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think he takes it off to like very, very close to the very yeah, end. Yeah. And I, I mean, it was, it you know, it was. I guess it was just a. Once again, there was probably some symbolism in that that I missed. Uh, but yeah, because <laughs> it felt like you clean yourself up and then we move on. But yeah, yeah, he just he kept it on. Yeah. So um, he sees the clip. Well, he see, he sees don't watching the clip, and by now he's sick and tired of the clip, you know, and they are poking fun at him. And he's he, he's finally realizing that these folks don't care about me, you know, like they like me because I'm making no money, you know, but I'm not part. I'm not one of them, you know. Right. I'm still a black man, you know, to them, you know, or a nigger to them, you know. So that's where uh, he starts to have his turnaround, you know, and. But that is one like that scene is <laughs> my favorite scene. The, just the fact that you know he pulls out <laughs> that nigga shit, you know. Absolutely, that was that was uh, that that had to be one of my favorite scenes as well. That that really uh, set the tone for today. Like it, that really felt like spot on satire mm-hmm. for for our for 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 our generation. Yes, um, definitely. You know, because a lot of our music they like it just sounds like nigga shit. You know. Like you're not saying anything, you know, and only thing he literally says is nigga shit. That's you know? it. That's all the words. That's, That's all it. the words. Yes. You know? There's no. And they're meaning. loving it, and they're they're, they're loving it. It's, it's the you know the best thing ever to them, and uh, it it definitely Boss. felt all, yeah, <laughs> it definitely <laughs> felt like uh, spot on satire there. So um, after that, uh, what happens? Um, Steve Lift calls him into the office. Yeah. Yeah. So he about to visit him. Uh, uh, I guess a promotion, and another promotion, and whatnot. Right. Um, but this time, um, he gives him coke, you know, to snort before he goes on. Which again, once again, feels like an '80s thing. Like you know, what I'm like that feels like an old world <laughs> '80s boss type thing. I mean, now people, the stuff people on nowadays make people bite their face off. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've we've moved past the coke. Uh. Yeah, so um, uh, he gives him the coat, and on the plate is a picture of a horse um, with the words, Mr. Boo-Boo, you know, and 
which comes back, you know, later, like, we'll come back to haunt him later on once he finds out what's going on, you know. But even that is, like, uh, a symbol, you know. I guess he called him a jackass, you know. <laughs> so, um, he isn't going to the bathroom because, like, he, like, uh, he could, because, like, he, like, Mr. Steve Lift wants to show him a video. Uh, but Cassius goes, um, I gotta use the bathroom real bad, you know, um, kind of wash his wife go back to the bathroom. So, he tells him, go down the hall, take a left, and go into the Jade room. So, he goes down the hall, he goes into a room that he thinks is, is Jade, you know, but it's many green Jade-like colors, you know, right. doors, you know, so he chooses one of them, goes down, and he finds himself in the bathroom, but the bathroom is occupied by a half man, half horse, you know, who's in agonizing pain. And, like, he flips out, you know, he freaks, you know, like, 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 he, he freaks out. And, um, that's what, um, uh, he bumps back into uh, Mr. Steve and, um, who, who pretty much gives him the rundown of what's going on. That, uh, they're making, uh, they, they're turning their workers the, the, the slave workers into literally physically horsepower you know and and they half humans half horses yeah I forget what they call them equisapiens yeah, I believe equisapiens. <laughs> um, so and they and this um, transaction is done by snorting coke or a coke like substance right you know, and once again, that causes Cassius to flip out because you know he's thinking that you know he just you know you know he just gave them that stuff, but which is which is good because you know in the scene, uh, Steve Liff is like, no, I wouldn't have gave it to you without you knowing, you know, as if you know he has some type of ethical, you yeah. know, and, and and morality, which again is all like a subjective thing, but you know, in in most people would think like if you're turning people into you know half humans, half horses that giving something to someone unknowingly to turn them into that wouldn't be above More. you. Yeah, yeah, you know, it wouldn't be above something that you would do. Uh, but he was like, no, I wouldn't give them to you without, yeah. uh, without I would, asking. I would totally tell you before yeah. I give it to you. Now, Alex, this right here would turn into a horse. Do you want to snort it? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't? Nah. Okay, here's the other shit. You know, you have this, you know. It may still turn your horse, though, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah, like like the whole time he's acting as if you know what he's doing is not wrong. You know he has no problems, no quarrels. You know about what he's doing. You know to yeah, him did, this is just. Now I can't remember. And uh, did he say they were volunteers? Yeah, he, yeah. He, he claims they're volunteers. They have, yeah, he claimed they're volunteers because I mean honestly, if you offered some people right now, you know, lifetime working contracts for food and board. There would be people who take that, pick you up on that offer. Mm -hmm. You know, there would be, you know, um, definitely. Uh, but that's just because of the, the, I mean, that says, I think, more about the society itself yeah. than it does about the people who are actually taking the contract. That you feel that life has nothing else to offer you. That if I could just get three meals a day and a place to lay my head, I'm willing to give you my entire right. life. You know, and that, that really says a lot about the state that society's in. Uh, but he did. He offers Cassius, I think, five year, one hundred million dollar contract mm -hmm. to be basically 
the revolutionary Martin Luther horse uh, <laughs> in, in this here uh, to be in the midst of the horse people as another Equisapien. And just to make sure that, you know, I'm sure like the people would start to get riled up. They might want to start doing a union and I need, you know, need you in there as my guy. Yeah. Uh, he says, and then after five years, um, I will allow you to, you know, they'll give him the antidote because they have the antidote and then he can just go on about, you know, his merry way in his life. Uh, which is weird because that made me start thinking about Stephen Yu's character, Squeeze, mm. as he's going from place to place, kind of like stirring up trouble. I'm like, is he like the the anti, uh, you know, yeah, you know what I'm saying? As, as in, you know, instead of having someone in the midst of things to keep them suppressed, he's trying to get people out from under the oppression. And I'm wondering yeah. if, it, like, I started thinking of it and I was like, man, maybe I'm just reading too much into this. You no, know, that's. No, uh, I think, uh, I think that's kind of sparked on because, um, like, uh, I, I believe his his whole thing is like uh, I guess um, what I was saying earlier the strength in numbers you know right you know we can band together and take care of our, like ourselves by helping each other you know instead of you know oh like oh, like 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 which one don't kind of matter um, Cassius because you know he crossed the line and he um, being one of the top sellers you know he crossed the line and kind of broke the power you know and you know he you know he went on to do do his thing. Versus, you know, oh, we as the people or workforce or and people, you know, you know, if we can just work together and stay together, you know, we can get what we want. You know? Right. That's how they that's I think that's how a lot of a lot of people in power keep power is that they let enough people in just a few enough mm -hmm. to keep everyone from forming these really, really strong lines. And then what happens is that person, the people that they let in, they, they you know put into this head that, oh, anybody could get here. Anybody yeah. could get here if, you know what I'm saying, they just got to work hard. And so then the people that are, who were once just in the same position that a lot of the other workforce are in look back or just even people and go, well, if you guys would just work hard, you could be exactly where I am, yeah. you know, and it puts that into people's head. Just enough people, but you will never be what they are no. and that's and you know and I, I remember i can't remember where i heard this but it was they were like you know to these people you'll, you'll always be a nigga no matter how far you go mm -hmm. you know you always hit that that glass ceiling uh and it's and again that you know this isn't just black people it's yeah. just people in general a very the difference between being a, a, a like a poor person and a rich person and the, the rich get richer the poor get poorer and i think that's something that you you definitely see in a lot of countries where you're like yeah. how is it that that we're in uh, a state where you know people are so poor but other pe places are having record profits like how mm. could you be having record profits and we don't have any money and it's because yeah. they take the little that you have and they absorb that as well so i mean this was definitely a, a good movie for that yeah like you're saying, like yeah, it's just not white people, you know, because there's even white people at the bottom. It's the exactly. rich white people, you know. There's a difference. <laughs> it's like people uh, tend to fail to realize, you know. There's a big difference. Yes, know? we should. <laughs> and uh, so this is where Cassius draws the line. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, he Good. tries to tell. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the San Francisco Chronicle. But instead of Steve Jobs being ostracized and being convicted of crimes, he is celebrated. Yeah. Stock prices is as high as it's ever been. People are just accepting this as a new thing. This is great. Uh, so that, again, I think that's a you know satire on our society about mm -hmm. what would happen in that situation. I don't know if our people if people would accept that though. Half humans, half horse hybrids. 
I don't think they'll accept that, but I think they'll accept the something similar, you know, like I guess going back to um, our um, um, president, you know, like everybody, not everybody, but you know, as the people, uh, we accepted this guy, you know, what he stood for, knowing that half the stuff he says is, you know, complete, you know, the, you know, BS, you know, but as a people, you know, for some apparent reason, we were blind and angry to a lot of the facts, and we tend to accept uh, these things that sounds good, but it it's really ain't, you know, you know, so like, so when Cassius starts to try to spread, you know, the word about how uh, evil this guy is, uh, people are like, this guy's not evil, you know, you know, he's doing, like, he's just trying to help us out, you know. And Cassius returns to the, to the union strike. Yes. Um, uh, this time, he's not a scab. He's on <laughs> no. the other side. <laughs> Uh, he apologizes to his yes. He apologizes to his his friends. You know, he makes up with Detroit, and uh, there is a huge uh, scene at this uh, at this because um, this is kind of like the the penultimate scene here, uh, where it is the workers versus the police who are guarding the power callers as they try to get into the building, mm-hmm. and you know you get a big fight. Uh, between, uh, you know, people are getting knocked out and everything like that. And at one point, it seems like the union has the upper hand. And then, you know, the police come in and bring in even more force and they start laying them out. But there's reinforcements. The Equisapiens come to the rescue uh, and they start easily, you know, pushing back the police and and everything. Mm -hmm. Which uh, you think everything is going to be okay. Everything kind of like settles down and... um, Right towards the the very very end, Cassius starts to turn into a horse. <laughs> yeah, like that that part, like really, like I, I did not see that part coming. Like I did not see that coming. Like I didn't think they were they were gonna go that route. Right. But I guess you know, being satire, you kind of figured they would they would do something with that. Right. I mean, I I don't I think this this like I said, this satire had a lot of things grounded in reality, but then it had a whole bunch of other elements that were kind of Again, you know, Sapphire. yeah, just they kind of took it. I, I don't really I mean, I get the whole point with the, the horses. I don't I don't know if turning um, Cassius into a, a horse at the end and then at the the very, very end, the Equisapiens going after Steve uh, Lift, which <laughs> I would think that if he snorted something that was other than cocaine, that and he gave it to them, that he would be on the run, like because he knows at some point that the guy is going to turn. Yeah. Uh, so did he think that he would just be like, oh, well, I'm a horse now, and that's mm-hmm. just what it is, uh, or what? I don't know. Yeah, like, one would think that, you know, you go before security, you know, you go leave town, you know, go to your other house. I'm pretty sure he has he have another yeah, house. probably you know? a lot of houses. Like, like you you think he would do something, you know, to protect himself, you know. But nope, he wastes at home, and there's a horde of... <laughs> but you know what? That could be another element of sat, uh, satire which could be true to life which is there are some people in this world who do things who feel like there will never be repercussions for the things that they do because yeah. they've been allowed to get away with things for so long a lot of times I hear this a lot too with athletes and they go mm-hmm. why would they do something like that and I was like this is just what they're getting caught for Yeah, this isn't 
positive. That this is just what they're getting caught for now. Yeah. You know, there are tons of things that they've gotten away with that, you know, you know, comes out later on when you know, they got out of speeding tickets and fines and all these other things, you know, to, to do because they've been protected. So I think that was made me another element of satire there where, you know, he's done this thing that is obviously wrong that mm-hmm. would obviously make you think something's going to happen to you, except he didn't bother. It's just whatever because he's just used to it. Yeah, but again, also, um, like, when he was telling Cassius, you know what was going on, he he acted like, like, like what do you mean? Uh, um, it's no big deal, you know. Like so, in his mind, he's not doing anything wrong. So, in my mind, thinking, oh, I got, oh, I did you a favor, you know. Like you're strong, you can work more, you know, you're more viable now, you know. But yeah, that was kind of odd, you know. Yeah, very, very there at the to end. To us, I guess. To us, yeah. <laughs> Again, the, you know, this is another. Um, you know, this is an element uh, that they that they added in. Uh, it, it felt like a lot of times they were flirting between the, you know, being grounded in reality and kind of floating in the air. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's it's one of those things that there's a lot of satire about a lot of different things, maybe too, too many for me. Um, but overall, I really did enjoy this film. Oh, me too. Uh, now, did you have anything else to add about it? Because um. I'm ready to get my rating. <laughs> no, I, I I don't have I don't have anything to add. At least not off the top of my head. You know, just left my notes. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I also you know um, I did enjoy the cinematography on this. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it seemed very uh, drab, but also vibrant drab. If 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 you can get that, like it it kind of sparked, but it was kind of like bleh. and I, it was they just I love the color palette in this film. Mm-hmm. So out of um, a one to ten, what would you say? Um. I think I would give it about seven and a half. Cause like, um, to me, um, like I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's hard. I, I'm like, it would be hard to sit down and watch it again. Just, you know, just to go and watch it. Like it's very, um, symbolic and, you know, it's got a lot of meaning to it. And it's not one of the movies that you can sit back on uh, chill with popcorn on a Saturday night. Uh, uh, a lot, a lot of stuff may go over your head, and for that reason alone, uh, I would give it a seven and a half. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, a seven and a half uh, sounds about right for me as well. I think I, I could watch this. Mo- I could watch this movie um, again. Um, I think if you were going to watch it on Saturday night, you would have to take out the sat the satire elements because a, a lot of times, you know, with these with these films. Can they stand alone? Could you mm-hmm. watch this film and just watch it, and then you know, could you leave all the satire behind? I, I don't. I think because some of the elements are so outrageous, I don't think you could be with this with the horse people at the end. You'd be like, "What is this?" Maybe something that if you were, you know, your drug, you know, people always tell me they're like, "Hey, man, you would love this more if you take drugs." And I'd be like, <laughs> "I don't want to have to take drugs to like something." Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, I, I definitely feel like I could, I could watch this film film again uh but again I, I felt like there were some things that missed the mark uh, satire wise i think it was just too much thrown at the screen uh, some things that could have just been gone out of you know out of the film and it still would have made a a really good film mm-hmm. uh so i'm gonna i'm actually you know i said 7.5 i'm gonna give it an eight i'm gonna mm-hmm. give it an eight uh we are film nerds this is episode two we review sorry to bother you uh and we'll be back next week with uh a, a film bit? yeah with a film to be announced 
<laughs> because even we don't know what it is yet. Hello, and we are the host of Film Nerds. My name is Alex. And I'm James. And we wanted to tell you, thank you for listening to our show. And also, make sure you subscribe to Facebook. And YouTube. And SoundCloud. The links are in the description below. Oh, it gives a thumbs up too. And if there's a movie out there that you would like to hear us review, send us an email. Or comment below. And we'll do it in a reasonable amount of time. Give us some time, people. We've got lives, too. Yes. Busy lives. Very, very busy.